0: From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Choo. I'm Tammy Katsoff, and in each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Chad Schwartz, class of 2016, director of science and education for the Lehigh Gap Nature Center, a nonprofit conservation organization located at the northern edge of the Lehigh Valley. As I do with most of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Chad became interested in his occupation.
1: I've always been interested in nature, being outside, I mean, since I was very young. Grew up with about seven acres of woods behind my house and started exploring there when I was really little. So I've always been interested in that sort of thing, and that's why when I was Uh, Looking into colleges, I I was looking for some good environmental science programs because that seemed like something that would be of interest to me. Grew up just uh, outside of Allentown, uh, Whitehall Township, and I toured a few colleges in the area, but Muhlenberg was the one that seemed to have the best program uh, for me at the time, and I'm glad I picked Muhlenberg (laughs) because it led me to where I am today. Did a few internships while I was there with the Nature Center and uh, after I graduated, ended up getting a full-time job doing education work.
0: So you knew from the get-go, really, what you wanted to do for a living?
1: Not necessarily. So I knew I liked the outdoors. I knew I liked nature. Didn't know what I wanted to do in that <laughs> field, though. Uh, environmental science is very broad. And actually, when I graduated May of 2016, I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Okay, lots of possibilities. Uh, yeah, even though I had worked with Lehigh Gap Nature Center as an intern, I didn't do education really. I was more involved with research. Uh, so I I really had no idea. I didn't, didn't really do a lot of environmental education prior to working for the Nature Center. I was involved with Lehigh Valley Audubon Society a little bit prior to that point. So environmental education was kind of new and that opportunity sounded pretty cool, pretty interesting. But really until I started doing it, I didn't know if I would develop a passion for it or if it would just be... Something that I tried and then moved on to something else in the mm-hmm. environment. But I've loved it. It's been a ton of fun. And unfortunately, these days I, I do a lot more administrative stuff and don't get to do quite as much of that as I'd like to.
0: What did your work day entail before?
1: A lot of in person programs, either for school students or the public, during the spring, summer, fall involved. Field trips, summer camps, after school programs, winter time going into schools a lot more doing programs. Up until the beginning of March, we were going into schools doing some standards based programs, getting the kids ready for state standardized testing time, playing some fun games relating to environmental science. But then we just had to go virtual completely. So we started making videos to cover those topics. We did camp kits over the summer instead of uh, in person summer camps had some zoom components too. So the kids got some live interaction, but it's, we've really just been working to adapt what we were doing to this new era that we're living in. So, and at the same time, we're, we're thinking about new ways to teach people too. We've been able to expand our outreach to new audiences this year, um, which is kind of, one of the nice things about the pandemic, we have people attending our programs from Washington State and other distant places. So wow. <laughs> so new people are learning about us and our story, which is, which is pretty neat. Interesting.
0: So. I read a little bit about the history of where you work. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Because it's, yeah. it seems to be unique in, in a few it ways.
1: It is, yeah. So we're the only nature center in the country on a Superfund site. And what that means is the land around the nature center was impacted by industrial activity. Um, In this case, there's a zinc smelter that was there for about 80 years. Um, A lot of pollutants got on the land, killed off a lot of the vegetation in the area. So that area of land has been under uh, restoration for the past, well, actually about 30 years now, different sections of it. So. Lehigh Gap Nature Center bought one small part of that Superfund site, one small part of that impacted area for the past 20 or so years. We've been bringing it back to life in our own way. We've turned our part of the Superfund site into grassland and built a trail system and opened it up to the public so they could actually learn and hike and bike and do all kinds of fun things.
0: What kind of a team do you work with? Who works with you there?
1: We're pretty small staff at the Nature Center's. Back when I was hired, it was just two people actually. Dan Kunkel, who <laughs> coincidentally graduated with me in, in 2016, he got a, uh, an honorary doctorate <laughs> from Muhlenberg the same day that I graduated. So we like to say that Dan and I graduated together. He got his honorary PhD and I got my bachelor's degree. So Dan is the guy who, who led that effort to create the Nature Center, and bring that part of the Superfund site back to life. He organized lots of volunteers to get that job done. So for many years, it was just Dan and lots of volunteers. And he actually was mostly a volunteer himself. He um, started out entirely as a volunteer. He was hesitant to take any kind of salary. The board convinced him eventually to take a very small salary, which he mostly donated back anyway. When I started, there was one other staff person who ended up leaving the organization. But now Dan retired at the end of last year. So it's me and Brian, who also went to Muhlenberg, um, <laughs> so wow. lots of Muhlenberg folks involved. All uh, mules. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. So right now it's just me and Brian, uh, at the start of this year, we were named co-directors of the organization. So I, I started out as program specialist, just basically doing programs, delivering programs. And now Brian and I co-lead the whole operation. Still lots of volunteers involved. We actually have Muhlenberg interns now too, every semester helping with things. So it's important, important. <laughs> Yep, we have another intern starting this fall who's going to help with some virtual education. And, nice uh, intern back in the spring helped with different things too. So, yeah, it's a pretty small operation. It's me and Brian. Um, we're the paid staff. We have just hired a, a Lauren earlier this year who helps with some administrative tasks. But she's also involved with a, a coalition that we're a part of. So she works half with us, half with that coalition. And otherwise, volunteers, interns.
0: Pre-pandemic, when everything was normal, what were the most challenging parts of your job and what were the most rewarding parts of your job? And how has that changed during the pandemic?
1: A lot of challenges stem from the fact that we are small. We would love to grow. There's a lot of interest in our programs in the area, but <laughs> with the small staff that we have, it's, it's hard to expand. We want to always provide quality programs before we expand. Quality over quantity is kind of... Uh, we want to provide a quality experience for the audience that we have before we expand. So that that's always been the challenge. We, we've grown very sustainably and very slowly over the years, which has actually helped us during the pandemic. There are a lot of organizations uh, in the environmental field that are struggling financially right now, and especially in the environmental science or in the environmental education field. Because, you know, they have a lot more staff people who are involved with lots of programs. But mm-hmm. then, you know, when you have all these programs being cut back because of the pandemic, it's hard to keep those staff members on. We were just talking about that today because we were, we were doing a conference earlier today with that coalition that we're part of. And some organizations are really struggling right now. And we're, we're doing okay because we have mm-hmm. such a small staff. So there are downsides to being small in that you can't really expand your, your outreach beyond what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's it's okay during a pandemic because still able to basically we're adapting and, and doing what we can and reaching the same audiences. But we didn't have to lay off any staff or anything like that. So,
0: yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna ba- go back in time for a little bit because I was curious about something on your LinkedIn profile. What is and I'm I'm gonna try to pronounce it right the Acopian Center for Ornithology and what did you do there?
1: I think it's the best-kept secret at Muhlenberg. It is uh, on the top floor of the uh, Shankweiler Science Building, which has changed a lot since they built the the new science building. Uh, So it's hard to find now. But fourth floor, uh, you go up the elevator in the science building. It's hidden away in a corner up there. But it's a bird museum. A lot of people at Muhlenberg who have been there for years don't know it's there. It's really a great resource. Uh, So it, it is a bird museum. So... Back in the day, Muhlenberg had a big natural history museum that included birds and lots of other things. I think a lot of that stuff ended up in storage, but when they did the renovations to the science building, they kept the bird collection. All the birds are well-preserved and documented, and when I was an intern there for two summers, I helped to organize all the birds and put them in scientific, uh, well, it's called taxonomic order, but basically I just put them in order based on how they're related to each other. So I did that, helped the curator, Peter, label everything and make sure all the data was in the computer. And so that's what I did when I was there. But there is a lot of research going on on bird window collisions. And uh, Dr. Clem, uh, the ornithology professor, and Peter Sanger, who is in charge of the museum, they have been working for years on uh, raising awareness of this issue. Dr. Clem is actually the first person to study the issue of bird window collisions. Uh, He's the leading expert in the world on this topic. So (laughs) finally, they're starting to gain some traction now, and people are becoming aware of this issue, and Canada actually, and I think some actually some cities in the United States are starting to enact ordinances to require people to put bird-safe glass on their their buildings.
0: I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you for that.
1: Sure, sure.
0: <laughs> I'm learning so much about the place that I work. Um, <laughs> so uh, you've been in this industry for a few years now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: even back before you graduated, you started. Yeah. Um, you've probably seen seen some changes. And obviously, you know, the very fact that Muhlenberg now has a brand new, um, oh gosh, I want to get this right, sustainability studies. Program. Yes. Major. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the, uh, Muhlenberg has a brand new sustainability studies major. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, this is, this is, you know, a trend nationally right. um, because people are understanding what is going on with our planet. Um, so what have you seen change and what do you expect might continue to change in the future?
1: Ah. Uh, yeah, so one of the nice things about working at an organization locally is I still get to work with a lot of my professors. Uh, a lot of classes from Muhlenberg still come up on field trips, and actually, I learned a lot about the Nature Center during my field trips there <laughs> when I was at Muhlenberg. Uh, so I still get to interact with those classes, and what's really nice is those classes are growing. Um, there used to be one section of, of students coming out, and now sometimes there are two sections of students because there are just so many. So. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more interest in, in this field. Even since I graduated, I was a sustainability studies minor because uh, there was not a major. I probably would have been a dual major if if it were available when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there, there's, there's definitely a lot more interest uh, among younger people. And we see this when we work with elementary school students and middle school. Um, they're just a lot more aware of things that are happening in the environment these days um, which is is really promising. <laughs> um, you know, Dan Kunkel, who founded the Nature Center, um, he, he always likes to say, well, uh, we have to worry about people forgetting what the environment used to be like. Because when he was a kid, you know, you could see the river was really gross and dirty. The air looked uh, polluted. Things were visible when he was younger. Things aren't as visible anymore. So we're at risk of people kind of forgetting about what's at stake if we stop caring. Um, but what's promising is that a lot of young people seem to understand these problems just intuitively. And I don't know how they understand these things. Maybe it's just, you know, now that we have access to the internet, you know, it may, now that a lot of kids are, are watching videos and things all the time, maybe they just learn about things that way. I don't know. But mm. but they're more aware, which is a nice thing to see. So that way when when we go into the schools and we teach these things, um, you know, they they seem motivated and they seem to really want to do something. So Sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. So, okay, that leads me to a, a, another question. People might not put together in their mind nature and the environment and technology, but we see how these days, especially now during the pandemic, that they can work together and go hand in hand. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Prior to the pandemic, there's something a lot of people call it citizen science. We call it community science, field somewhere inclusive term. Community science is just a way that Anybody can collect scientific data and help scientists learn about things. So we've been using things like eBird, which is a website where people can report bird sightings, just things like that, uh, ways that people can just submit data and help scientists learn. So that's one way that science and technology intersect, and people can contribute to those sorts of efforts anytime. And that was pre-pandemic, and I think there are probably even more opportunities now that the pandemic is happening. But... Again, technology has allowed us to just reach out to a lot more people and talk about our unique and hopeful story at the Nature Center. There aren't many examples of a a place that was literally barren and lifeless that now hosts a Nature Center like us. So we're able to spread that message of hope (laughs) beyond just the local area and uh, maybe motivate people to do just small things to improve Mm. the environment around them. So uh, connecting people has helped a lot in the same sense we've been connecting with a lot of other people in this field. There are a lot of conservation and education organizations in just the Lehigh Valley area. We're all doing lots of great things, but we really didn't communicate all that much prior to the pandemic because we're all very busy doing our own in-person programs. And yeah, so not a lot of time for us to interact with each other. A few times, maybe a few conferences per year. But now we've been Zooming pretty much monthly and sharing ideas and partnering. And so that's another great thing that's come out of this too, technology-wise. And we don't have to travel from place to place, so <laughs> fewer emissions coming out of our vehicles. So a lot more true. meetings, <laughs> a lot more meetings, fewer emissions, more ideas, you know. So that's true. Yeah. So those are some of the benefits that I've noticed technology wise. Nice.
0: Do you have uh, like a favorite memory or a day on the job that really stands out to you as something just super memorable and, and great and awesome?
1: I just like anytime we bring students from the Allentown School District out to the Nature Center and just do experiential education. There are just so many memorable moments from from doing that because a lot of the students in Allentown have never been far beyond the the city. They haven't seen a mountain in some cases or seen you know wildlife up close. Um, so just seeing that spark is really exciting. And then we'll go into the schools with those same students during the winter months and teach them different topics, but they always uh, have really fond memories of their time out just experiencing in in nature. So that's always neat, just seeing that spark moment, because Mm -hmm. you don't know what that could lead to. True, Uh, The kid just uh, holding a newt and getting really excited about that could lead to, you know, some lifelong passion for conservation. You never know. We we teach hundreds of kids per year, and if just a handful of them really get excited about nature and protecting wildlife, uh, we feel that we've been successful.
0: For anyone listening, whether they're a current Muhlenberg student or someone else who is interested in doing the work that you do eventually, what advice would you give them? What recommendations would you give?
1: Do internships, volunteer. Just um, if you're really interested in nonprofits in particular, like Lehigh Gap Nature Center, just uh, reach out to them, see what volunteer and internship opportunities are available. I tried different things. I did research. I did some uh, more hands-on restoration work on the mountain at the Nature Center before I, I actually worked for the Nature Center. So just try different things and, and see what really catches your interest. Because a uh, field like environmental science, you could go in many different directions. Mm-hmm. You know, you could get, end up in policy and <laughs> go to Washington, D.C., education like we're doing, research, water quality testing, lots of different possibilities. So just try lots of different things, as many opportunities as you can, you know, take advantage of just to get out there and, and experience different things. Really go for it.
0: Is there anything you know now that you wish you knew uh, your first day at Muhlenberg? If you could go back and tell your first yourself something.
1: Well, I guess I would tell myself that, uh, you know, even after, even after you graduate, you're, you're always going to be learning and growing. So You know, this is just the start of your educational experience, whether you go back to school or whether you start working. The skills you develop while you're at Muhlenberg will prepare you for what you do next, but uh, you're always going to be learning. Ask questions while you're at college. Learn as much as you can. Put as much into that experience as you can so you can get the most out of it. But then use that as a basis to keep learning and growing after you leave.
0: This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by me, Tammy Katsoff, Associate Director of the Muhlenberg College Career Center. It was recorded remotely and engineered by Paul Kremposki at the studios of WMUH, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.